The camera is set on a wide shot of a man sitting at a desk covered in alchemical equipment. A large statue looms behind him. A green glow lights up the side of his face, but it's the dancing flames on top of his head that draws the eye. The only movement in an otherwise still frame. The camera slowly pushes in on his face. His eyes are in a far-off gaze, looking not just at the camera, but somehow through it. As the camera gets closer, we can see the warm brown skin, like smoldering earth, cracked and scarred with lines of fire burning beneath them, flickering in rhythm with a heartbeat. The two eyes are golden, their irises dancing with the rhythm of the flames in the hair. This ifrit stares back until only the eyes fill the frame. As he blinks, the screen changes to a warmer tone of daylight. The fiery eyes are replaced by younger, gentler brown eyes. And as the camera pulls out, we see the familiar halls of Blithier College. Gifted. Young. Prodigy. These are the words that follow young Shoma Lysarius, being admitted to Blithier a full two years earlier than the standard freshman. As he walks the halls bright and full of potential, the whispers from the other students are heard. Child. Immature. Cheater. Shoma shook it off. He would let his results speak for themselves. He alone is the future of Blithir and of Alkenstar. He would change the world someday. Cut to a late night laboratory, the workspace messy and chaotic. Shoma looks a few years older now, but still with a boyish face that betrays his real age. We see him bent over an alchemical set, pouring a vial of something very carefully. As he does, a familiar green glow begins to flicker in the room. He holds it up triumphantly, the green flames flickering within the beaker, dancing across his face. Who would dare call him a boy now? This formula would surely change his future forever. And yet now we see the panic. The flames keep expanding, moving beyond the beaker and dancing upwards. The heat is intense. Shoma tries putting it out, but the flames burn his hand, causing him to drop the beaker. The flames expand outward, defying expectations, covering the entire workspace. All those chemicals. In the blink of an eye, there is an explosion with shards of glass ripping into Shoma's face as he's knocked backwards into the wall, unconscious. Blood trickling across his face. We see the green flames flicker. Dropout. Failure. Mediocre. 
We see Shoma back at home. Scars still fresh from the exploding glass. A box of stuff labeled Blithir sits in the corner, still sealed. Shoma sits shirtless on the bed, face in his hands, unmoving. Suddenly, there's a scream of pain. As he looks up in anguish, we see his skin changing color. From the pale child to the smoldering earthen tones that we recognize. His hairs, one by one, replaced with spouts of flame from each follicle. His scar beginning to bubble and burn like magma. As he struggles to his feet, we hear the crunching of bones and see him grow to his full adult height quickly. His eyes look back at us, the boyish brown eyes gone. In them, the fiery burning rage takes their place. We hear one last scream as the screen goes dark. (laughs) At long last, none shall ever doubt me again. (laughs) Who would have the courage to disparage a man bathed in perpetual flame? When the screen returns, we get a montage Shoma is creating his explosives and selling them on the streets. Bombs out, money in. We see him standing outside a nice set of apartments in Hellside, shaking hands and closing a lease. A large laboratory setup, more explosives, more money. A large statue of Norgorber. In open mockery, we hear him say, With one hand I give. More explosives. More money. We see a full-scale alchemical lab being built. Tanks of glowing green fire in the background. The green glow dances across Shoma's face. He touches the statue again. With one hand I give. We see Shoma at Blithier College, deep in the library. He's digging through piles until he finds the one he's looking for and lifts it up. We see it's a collection of his old research notes from when he was a student. He looks down at the folder and we see a list of people who have checked it out written across the outside. One name looks familiar. Bashan Gattleby. We cut to a big academic event. As the camera pans across the room, we see familiar faces. Phoebe Dunsmith sitting in the back of the room, arms crossed. A younger version of Anita talking excitedly with her friends. And as the camera pans across to the upper level, we see the hooded figure of Shoma watching from up high. We hear the drowned out words of Gattleby and the familiar explosion lights up Shoma's face. We can see the anger in his eyes. With one hand, I give. We are now in a loud, thumping dance hall, the music making it hard to hear. A room full of criminals, each paying their respects to Shoma, 
the man who keeps them supplied. We see Glasnibricks suited up in armor, clamp Shuma on the shoulder, and with respect, and order all his drinks to be comped. As the camera shifts, we see he is sitting across from an orcish man, one covered in tattoos with a serious look on his face, his muscles bulging even from beneath the coat. Five hundred gold, and the ritual is yours. Gimthrak pulls a rolled-up scroll from beneath his coat and places it on the table. We can see it stamped with a wax seal, the coat of arms of Matakali in dark black wax. Shoma nods. We cut back to the laboratory, bathed in green light. The statue towers behind Shoma as he conducts his ritual. In the middle of the chamber, we see a swirling cloud of dust appear. And then a div manifests from within the room. As the wind settles, we see pictures of Gattleby plastered on the wall. Thief is scrawled in red ink across them. Shoma speaks up. Destroy Vashan's laboratory, and this shall be yours. A large framed picture is presented. The div nods in agreement. Shoma smiles. Some time has passed. Shoma is looking even more unhinged than usual. His cash pile has dwindled, his obsession giving him little time for work. He picks up the little gold he has left. We cut to him sitting across from a well-dressed gangster, smiling with a mouth full of golden teeth. <laughs> 10,000 gold. We see another gangster dressed in a pinstripe suit. Yeah, 5,000 gold. We see a balding man, Hagos, sitting behind his desk, smoking a cigar. <laughs> no less than 2,000 gold, friend. A small group of mercenaries looking haggard. 1,000 gold. We cut back to the loud music. Shoma drinking nearly a dozen empty glasses on the table in front of him. In the background, just out of focus, a person rides a bull, hanging on against the inevitable dismount. We hear the voice of Glass speak up. <laughs> yeah, no problem. We'll get you, Gattleby. Four crates of the explosives. Two up front, two on delivery. They shake on it. And when you can make the pyronite yourself, Wheeze gets first dibs. And we cut back to where we started. Shoma sitting in his laboratory, motionless, except for the flickering of his fire hair. The green glow of the lab dancing against his face. The ominous statues towering over him. Shoma sits, staring. Was it all for naught? The secret was out. 
Had he overvalued himself all this time? If another had figured it out, then perhaps... His thoughts are interrupted as his brain is intruded upon. Boss, somebody's here. They found the lab. One of them looked like that expelled girl from Blithia. Shoma clenches his fist and bangs them on his desk. The hairs on his head burn bright. I need to prepare. Anita, Kieran, Ulysses, Mendoza. My secrets are mine alone. We see him fiddling with the four-legged clockwork machine. He attaches two large arms to modular slots on the front, then turns the key. The machine click-clacks to life, standing up. Shoma whispers, (laughs) Dismantle any creature that isn't me. The last thing we see is a grin on Shoma's face, bathed in green light. Fire hair dancing in the darkness. Players, as you guys round the corner of the dungeon, I will pop this over just to give our audience a quick view of things. Also, they get a nice view of Shoma's face here. This is our this is our good friend Shoma Lyserius. So as you round the corner of this dungeon, Saruk turns, you're leading the charge. You see that familiar green bathed glow pulsing down the hallway and you step in and you see a large temple, a makeshift temple with a large statue looming over hooded its face hard to see in the corner, large green vats of chemicals churn and pump pulsing from uh, from like glass container to glass container, each bubbling with some strange mixture inside. To your right, a clockwork building bay with a four-legged clockwork machine that stands at attention. Coming alive, turning its little attention in your direction as its its two hands, one a buzzsaw, turns on and begins to spin. The other a weird makeshift revolver. Shoma grins. Standing at the head of this temple. Glass shattered everywhere. It looks like something is torn apart this room. Debris everywhere. He grins. <sighs> you will never get my secrets, Anita! Players. Can you do me the honor of rolling me some initiative? Steve, I've ever told you you're really fucking good at that because you are really goddamn good at that. (laughs) Holy (laughs) shit, man. You thank you. Okay. So now we know that he is in the back just going like, what? (laughs) (laughs) He's like, who the hell is this guy? Going on in the... I had to like trim a lot of stuff out, but there was like a scene originally where he like saw like Anita's face in the paper from Blither College and stuff. You know, like he knows who she is because she's famous enough to be in the papers. Ooh, you know, we, we kind of established you did, he was before your time, Anita. Oh, look at that! Look at for Saruk. That that's right. Good. That's a natural twenty. Let's go, Saruk. Yep, crits in chat for Saruk with the natural twenty on initiative. 
there's a large statue over Shoma. Shoma's kind of standing on this dais. It's raised maybe like a few feet off the ground. It's pretty easy to step up and down, but it is sort of raised up just a little bit. Broken glass covers the majority of the floor here. There's this bay where this clockwork machine is kind of coming to a life. And uh, Saruk being in front and being super honed on your senses hits a natural turning on the crit and your investigator brain starts going like 1,100 miles a minute, I guess. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we're going to start. We're going to start combat. So Saruk, you are up first. Actually, guys, go. Sar- Shoma got the last initiative, by the way, just to like recap. Shoma got a 14 and everyone else got 18 or higher. The clockwork got 20 he's caught up reminiscing in all those memories just now you know <laughs> exactly <laughs> he's had that whole thing going through his brain when you guys walked in he like <laughs> looked up and you were just standing there so the thing about shoma is shoma is currently under investigation for me so when i say i'm going to divide it's for free so it is gonna, free this is 100 percent true yes button make sure all the things are going brain I am going to use my hero point. I nope. Yes. Give a moment. I am going to reroll that. I would. Okay, hero point it up. If you're in chat and you've got some extra heroic coins to drop for Saruki, could sure use some heroic mm-hmm. points because he's spending his first one on the first second roll of the night. Right. The wow. challenge nice enough to give me one. Ah, All right. Well, it's going to be yeah eight on the dice, eighteen total. Ah, uh, screw it. Why not? Does an eighteen hit? Uh, you're attacking from where you are on Shoma. Which is in the first range increment of Ingevale. Perfect. Uh, let's see, actually. 18 does, in fact, hit. Nice. He's not even really armored. He's just wearing, like, his kind of nice suit. Yeah, he's he's not armored or anything. He's just wearing alchemist gear, fireproof clothing, stuff like that. Uh, 17 points of damage. Do you think he's wearing anything that's, like, explosive or something? Oh, he's that I strapped. Can... He's, he's got all kinds of, of bottles and chemicals strapped to him in, like, bandoliers and stuff. He's got so much alchemy stuff on his body. Yes, absolutely. Check it. Better idea. Rather than shoot Shoma, I'm going to shoot, like, two inches to his right such that it, like, nicks his temple. Uh, mechanically, I would like to do a lot of non-lethal damage to him so we can take him alive. Yeah. Yep, you absolutely, because you have the feet. You can do non-lethal damage without penalty as much as you want. And then second action, we are going to stride into the room. To there, I think. Okay, so here, I I will say, as you're striding through, you step on this square here. Oh, wait, I got the wrong... You step on this square here and you're just like it's you're crunching on broken glass as you step in. And then under this pile of glass, you step and there is a sort of um, reaction from beneath the glass as you step on a bottle of something that was like buried in the glass and immediately <laughs> goes up in flames. I need you to make a reflex saving throw. Got this. Oh, Let's go. Got I feel this. like this is bulwark worthy. You got a hero point. Uh, yeah, you got something with bulwark on it. Yeah, my play now. That's right, yeah. Uh, 17, 17, 17. Fuck it, we'll let it ride. All right, so it is a failure, so you are going to take the full damage. So you take um, 11 fire damage. Everyone within a square of you, which, which right now is just you, takes two more splash damage. And then you're also, um, when the flame, it's, it's green flames, by the way. 
and uh, as the green flames writhe up on you, uh, you realize that you are now on fire. You're taking persistent fire damage. So then I'm going to use a free action to here, drop my Giselle, and then for my third action, look up at Shoma. Tell me, have you ever heard the phrase, an eye for an eye? (laughs) (laughs) Nice callback. Uh, I'm not someone who's stealing Rafi's line forever. Okay. Right, you take two persistent fire at the end of your turn, and you can go ahead and make a uh, recovery check by clicking the recovery check. But first, check I want to do the bomb. Uh, 25 over his will be. Oh, got it. That was an action. I thought that was just flavor. That's an actual action. Mm-hmm. Got it. That was, uh, that was my bad. 25. This is targeting his will save, right? Yeah, going against his will DC. Yeah, it's a success, but not a critical success. He's just really confused. He is under the effects of uh, Bon Ma. Oh, so that means he has a minus two status penalty to perception and will saves for minutes. So for 10 rounds, Ruffy. <laughs> That's my turn now. Also, look at that token for a second. That's awesome. Me being on fire? <laughs> I mean... Technically, it sucks, but visually, it looks awesome. You hit the DC. The DC is 15 for the persistent damage. You got a 16, right? That's what that roll was. So actually, the fire uh, goes away. Nice. It only it only burned up for just a second. You like are able. It just burned itself out. Um. All right. Up next, Anita. All right. So I keep hearing this man say my name, but I can't see shit. So I'm just gonna walk forward. Hello. Oh shit. (laughs) <laughs> All right, so that's my first action. Second action, I will grab Wybert. What can I assess here? So the uh, clockwork person is attached to... what? What is this? It looks like it's almost like an assembly bay. It's not attached to anything anymore. It's just kind of standing up in this bay. And it's like spinning its butt saw and it's like aiming this like revolver pistol kind of thing it has towards your guys' direction right now. Okay, I would like to spend another action to grab my repair kit. Okay. And then... Well, here's the thing. Like, I, I assume you're always wearing the repair kit. on, and like With a lot of the actions, you can use it as part of the action, I think, if you're wearing your tools. But if you need to get it in your hand for some reason, that's fine, too. Yes, I need to get it in my hand for some... Yeah, because I want to go to the clockwork and try to disable it before it starts oh. shooting at us. Got it. Yeah, you do. Yeah. So I think what Steve's saying is if it's in your bandolier or whatever, you can do it as part of it. Yeah, you can wear a certain amount of bulk of tools, so you don't have to get it in your hand. You can just have it on your person, and part of the the disabled action is just grabbing it off your body and doing it. I'm not going to – you don't have to have an action charge for that. Okay. Unfortunately, it's in my backpack because I needed room. If it's in your backpack, you do have to take your backpack off for an action and then a second action to retrieve it from your backpack. Son of a fucking bitch! <laughs> All right. Um, are there any hiding spots here that I can hide at? How about behind me? Yeah, I don't uh, want that. You can hide behind these glowing tanks of green fire in the corner up here. There's Heck like no. some tables. You can go back. You can go back in the hallway. How about this? I would go here. I'll use a second action to stride. And then my third action, I'm going to raise a shield. Do you, do, yeah, so you, you're carrying one shield in your hand, right? The buckler, right? Yeah. That's the one that lets you, you can use it as a free hand. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Just because you're an inventor and because you're a construct inventor specifically, can you just give me a quick 
crafting or engineering lore recall knowledge if you have it. Yes. This is this is kind of a special thing that I'm giving you a free action here because of your specialty. Seeing this clockwork. Crafting. Uh that's a 29. 29. So, uh you're looking at this thing and like you you know for sure you can disable it like a normal clockwork, right? Um you can even see like the the keyhole that you need to go in. But this has a really interesting design, something you've not normally seen. It has a modular design where these two arms are kind of locked in on the front. And mm-hmm. one of them is the buzzsaw and one of them is this nail gun thing. Just looking at it, you realize that it's kind of the weak point of this device. You can do the check to disable the whole machine as a harder check. But if you were to attempt an easier check, you could potentially just completely dislodge one of these arms. So it would fall off and it wouldn't have access to one of those arms anymore. Okay, so you said a buzzsaw and a nail gun, right? Yes. Okay, gotcha. Thank you, sir. Perfect. All right, that brings us up to Halbrant. So Hal's going to move forward, careful to avoid stepping on the area where Saruk did. I think he's going to see this creature here and look at Anita with, you know, as she's staring at the thing, and I'm assuming it's not friendly, so... Hal is going to do a snagging strike on this creature. It literally has a giant bust out of starting to spin a lot like Wyvert's, so it's not friendly at all. Yep, go ahead and make that strike. 19. Alright, 19 is a hit. For 10 damage. Alright, it's actually, uh, it's, it's a clockwork, it's made of this heavy metal, it's resistant 4 to this damage, so it takes 6 points of damage. Um, but you are able to sort of knock it off balance, which is actually pretty impressive. It's a four-legged creature, and you're still snagging it into like an unbalanced state. And then I'll do dueling parry. Okay. Could I have continued to move? I don't want to sna- stand next to Saru in case he lights on fire again, so I would have continued to move. <laughs> <laughs> Here. I, is that you could have moved there instead. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. And then I'll do hit him and do dueling <laughs> parry. That's my turn. Yep. Look at that awesome like overhead effect. You're underneath this like scaffolding where they build the clockwork and you're just standing underneath it. I love that. That was interesting, yeah. Alright. This clockwork machine. You come in. You uh, snag it. It's, it's flat-footed now. It, it knows its command, right? We heard the command it was given. So it, like, the buzzsaw spins and it kind of turns and looks at you, Hal, and it brings this giant spinning blade right at you and it targets you with a buzzsaw blade attack. Oh. Uh, that is going to be a 21. Five on the dice, plus 16. Yeah, 21. That's a hit, just barely, I believe. Yep, yep. Okay. So you're going to take the damage from the buzzsaw, which is 10 points of slashing damage, as well, like, through your blade. It kind of comes down on your blade, and it sparks, and then it gets through to you and kind of comes across your chest, and it, it does give you a persistent bleed damage effect on you as well. All right. Um, that was his first action. The second action, the, the saw blade continues past you towards Anita in like one sort of sweeping strike. So the second strike will target Anita. I'm this gonna block the... this with my shield. If it hits, we don't know it hits yet, right? It's foreshadowing. Okay, so the second strike kind of comes your way. This does have the sweep effect, which means it gets a plus one circumstance bonus to the attack roll just because you're a different creature. Um, than the first one it targeted, but it still has the map attack, so it's going to get forceful plus one. 
All right, let's see if it can hit. Oh, that's a natural one on the dice for a total of 12. However, I'm going to cash in my chat hero point. I knew it. Double ones. Double ones. Twitch. I want. <laughs> let's see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get it out of the way. I want. Right. Let's go. It's going to be really bad. Uh, So it turns into a 19, which is exactly just barely enough to hit you. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, it's just barely enough. So you will also take it. You can block it. So it's seven damage. Yeah, I'm blocking it with my shield. It kind of catches your shield and starts like sawing right through the wood. Uh, your oh, shield breaks <laughs> and the persistent damage kind of gets through. And so you are also caught with it and you're now bleeding persistent damage. Gotcha. With his third and final action, it's got one saw blade going this way and it's got this little like gun barrel. It kind of like spins the arm in Saruk's direction. And you watch as it fires, and it, it doesn't fire a bullet with like a loud like bullet coming out of it. It actually fires like a nail. It's a nail gun. And it shoots a little nail at Saruk. This is with the huge map, so let's see. Are we getting home alone right now? We're getting home. I'm not. I missed. Haha. <laughs> 16 on the dice, 19 total does miss. So the uh the sort of nail just glances off your pretty thick armor and doesn't actually do anything just kind of like it's really shooting a nail at me uh but that's all three actions it doesn't do much smart it doesn't even move away it's still unbalanced by the snagging strike is this strike Buffy. a uh manipulate that i can do an attack of opportunity with? actually you're right this is a ranged attack and the ranged attack will trigger an opportunity attack i'd like to take yes. it yep so as the arm kind of comes up it leaves itself open you can use your reaction to uh to do that 19 again. 19 will hit. For 10 more. It is resistant. Um, so it takes 6 more points of damage as you begin just chopping at that thick kind of metallic body. Ruffy. Seeing everyone rush by. Seeing Annie go by. Annie, you do know this guy. You keep saying your name. Oh. And uh, free action, draw my pistol. Free action... 10 foot step. First action, I'm going to. You know what? I'm going to see that uh, here in this machine, this clockwork go off to bunch. For my first action, I'm going to draw a bottle of lightning. Mm. Okay. Nice. And then throw it at this clockwork right here. Okay. You are aware it will do splash damage, right? Right. I don't do that. <laughs> you can. I don't want to stop you from doing it. Just be aware it does do two points of splash damage, I think, for a moderate. You could always target the square next to it so it doesn't splash on your allies, but then you will miss out on the main damage. Oh, and I just realized I was actually targeting Hal right now. <laughs> <laughs> the real? No, that's that's supposed yeah. to be the... Later, later we do the betrayal. Sorry, sorry. Uh, no, I take that back. I, w- I would not have... Out. For now, I will stride... Right, yeah. right, right here. Okay. You're right next to this. this. This tank of glowing green fire is like 10, 12 feet tall, just like towering over you, bubbling, bathing you in the green light. Mm-hmm. I'm aware. Okay, just, just pointing out the fact of how big these tanks actually are. Right, so uh, first action, I'm going to shoot Shoma. Was that first stride not an action? That was your 10-foot stride? Uh, sorry, second action. 
Got it. Okay. Uh, 26. That is a hit. So close to natural 20. Use that hero point. Get your natural 20. We know how much rough you rolls them. 10 points of damage. Uh, Shoma does not have any resistances, so he takes the full 10 points of damage. And third action, uh, I'm going to use uh, Reconter's Reload to Intimidate. Okay, he's already got a, a Bon Mott affecting his will DC. So let's pile it on. You see, the phrase is, we're going to take your eyes. <laughs> we'll talk about this isn't after. That, isn't, that what, isn't that what an eye for an eye means? No. I thought I... that's what it was meant. <laughs> we're not going to take his eyes. No. Huh. All right, then. Then I'm reloading. I set you up. That's what I got. God damn it. Uh, 26. Thanks to the Bon Mott, that becomes a critical success. Ooh. I believe he's frightened, too, then. I believe you are correct. And that's going to be the end of my turn. This poor Shoma is just getting his butt handed to him. Well, guess what? At the end of the turn, after being shot multiple times and and hurt really bad, Shoma is looking rough. He put on a big bravado face and you guys have just like made him look bad. You've scared the crap out of him. You've affected his mind. He is completely like shaking. He panics and uh, he, his eyes go to you and go to the clockwork fighting and it goes up to, to Ruffy and Anita and then you see his eyes drift over towards the corner. The giant tanks of flaming liquid. He goes to his vest and he pulls out a um, a small sort of device. It's like a bomb he has and with one action he's able to interact and strike. And he throws his bomb, not at you, but he throws it at the giant tank of flaming fire in the corner. I'm really glad you used your hero point now and not in this presumed attack. (laughs) I mean, that is correct. I was kind of nice about it, wasn't I? Yeah, you were so mag-fucking-nanimous. So he's got a lot of penalties on this strike. Uh, Doesn't matter. 19 on the dice. Oh, that was targeting himself, but... Or what was he targeting, even? Oh, he's targeting you accidentally. So, anyways, 26. You guys watch in slow motion. This, like, lightning bottle, like, flies through the air, hits the side of the tank of glass, and there's, like, it shatters, like, it does, like, a lightning pulse outwards, and you watch, like, spider cracks at the side of the... Well, I guess I gotta roll damage. Maybe he'll roll low damage. Six points of damage. Let me just look real quick. There is a damage threshold for this thing. It's seven. Nope. It has eight hit points... Hardness of two, so it goes from six down to four damage. It has a broken threshold of four, which is enough to crack it. So just barely, you see the spider crack up the side of the machine, and then it flies open. The glass shatters. This, like, liquid lyserium spills out into the floor and instantly explodes outward into the room. So there is an, there is a um, explode action that happens here. Damn it. 30. Liquid hot magma. So high. This is the oh my whoa. So it's a 30-foot burst. So anyone in that template, which is everyone, Am I in needs it? to make a reflex saving throw. Now, I will say what it is is it's hitting the floor and spreading outwards, right? So it kind of quickly spreads out 30 feet burst. It hits the floor, but anyone that's not touching the floor is not 
it doesn't succumb to this. So if you're able to get up high off the ground, stand on barrels, crates, stand on something higher than the floor, like the dais that Shoma is on, you're not affected by this. But everyone else, with you guys touching the ground, including the clockwork, you're all currently burning. I'll make a reflex saving throw for the robot. Robot gets a failure. Yeah, the playmail bulwark's prime. I guess bulwark can help, right? Yeah, it's a damage and reflex save, so it would trigger. Oh, yeah, it does trigger, yeah. Look at that, you hit it because of the bulwark. Don't die, Anita. I don't want to deal with Rafi if Anita dies. Oh, no, he's a hero point. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Yep. The city will burn. <laughs> yes, okay, 22. Yep, everyone got a success. No one got a critical success, so it's going to be... Um, this much damage, three points of fire damage, halved if you made the reflex save. The clockwork takes the full three. Uh, so you, you guys all take one damage. The clockwork takes three. The clockwork takes one persistent damage. I think on an alchemist fire, uh, the, the persistent damage only happened on on a six. Yeah, so the persistent would proc like on a direct hit. Presumably, Refi might take Splash damage. Oh, that's that's true. Let me let me look and see what it says. Um, because this is this is kind of different. That's the spilled on the floor. Okay, it spreads that I'm actually damaged. The incursion on the floor has been. Oh, actually, in this case, it says you actually don't even get a save. But that's okay. I gave you guys your saves already. Yeah. So each one, every single person that's even the ones that made the save, you're all taking one persistent fire damage right now, as long as you're in contact with this stuff. As well, um, because this is burning like. There's so much like oxygen like burning in here. It's burning up the oxygen in this room. You can feel it almost getting sucked out. And you can tell that this room has a limited amount of oxygen left before you start having to make saves to stay conscious. Oh that was only his first action. Oh, also, when as as it spreads out, you you see bigger explosions as it spreads across the glass. All these like hidden vials he put on the floor catches and they burn and then they explode too. So one one explodes here and doesn't affect anyone. One explodes here, doesn't affect anyone, doesn't affect anyone. One explodes right next to the clockwork and, aff- and affects the clockwork, actually. Let's make another reflex save. Uh, okay, so it succeeds. It takes half damage. Anyways, that's a lot that happens for your first action. Okay, the room's on fire. You guys are burning. Shoma, with his second action, pulls out a... A potion he has, pops the cork and drinks it with his third action. Wait, 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 wait. Villains aren't allowed to have healing potions. That's not in the rules. <laughs> this alchemist, and he's like, you watch as like as he like drinks this potion, he heals quite a bit of the damage that he had taken. Um, that's all three of Shoma's actions. Uh, we're at the top of round two. Yeah, we are. Uh, Saruk. Okay, so I'm gonna roll this with. Yeah, I'll just, I'll, it'll be the tusks. I'm not necessarily tusking. But again, free action going to Choma. I would like to make sure I haven't targeted him. I'm going to devise a stratagem. That'd be a 24. 24, he said. Yeah, okay, that's fine. So then, on to my turn. Action the first. Saruk's hand goes up, presses a button on his backpack. I love Pathfinder. <laughs> How comes the backpack ballista? Presuming a 24 hit. Give me a big number. And eh, 10 damage. 
through the flames. It catches fire and like slams right into Shoma. Like he spins around. He's a pretty lithe kind of guy, and the ballista has a lot of force. Takes quite a bit of damage. Um, for what it's worth, that is also non-lethal. And then action the second. You know, I think Sruk is just going to push forward. I hate to say it, but through the fire and the flames, I may in fact be carrying on. Uh, is it difficult to climb up onto the dais? No, it's not. No difficult terrain at all. So here's the movement for two actions. And then I started my turn in the alley, so I think I need to make another save. You technically are still on fire, yeah. So make a. We'll do a. You take one point of damage and make a DC 15 flat check. I don't. I mean, for the. It looks like the floor is still on fire, and to each creature starting its turn in the burst. When you, when, you, when you step up onto the dais at the end, uh, I think it's at the end of your turn. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Fair enough. I uh, will give you a 20. Well, I'm still on fire. Yeah, so take the one point of damage and you're still on fire. That is otherwise my turn. It doesn't really exactly say. I'm going to say, though, you only take the fire damage if you end your turn on the fire. Sure, works for me. Gives you a chance to get out. All right. Um, Anita. Hello? Okay. Uh, two actions to pull, da- pull out my backpack and pull out my uh, repair tool. And then I'm going to disable the the soul of this clockwork. Uh, and then uh, you get the repair kit out um, with your free hand. And what are you attempting to do on this? Uh, this I want to disable the uh, the handsaw that he has. Got it. Okay. So in that case, you target the modular arm handsaw. This is going to be a... Uh, a thievery check, although I, th- I think we've said that we substitute crafting if you prefer. Yes, please. Go ahead. Crafting! As written, it's only thievery, but, you know, we'll we'll let the crafters do their crafting thing. Yeah, 21. That is a success. So so with that action, you're able to... Right, yeah. So, so technically, disable a device is two actions, but I'll allow you to sort of interact with your repair kit and pull it out and do it as part of the action... You know, it's a little murky, but I'll allow it. I'll give you a little bit of, of uh, leeway. So with that, you reach out and just a quick few like turns of some bolts and loosen. You loosen the buzzsaw arm. The buzzsaw like falls off of the machine into the fire. And then the blade sort of kind of the momentum keeps it spinning, but it slowly comes to a stop. It no longer has his buzzsaw arm. Alrighty, And then because uh, that's all my action. So I'll just turn to Hal and say, uh, I, th- I got I got I got this. Uh, just try and help Saruk. That's the end of my turn. Thank you. Annie, are you okay? <laughs> At the end of your turn, you are going to take uh, 1d8 fire damage from being in contact with the floor. So I need to take yep. six points of fire damage. Plus... Damage. You have two persistent damage effects on you. So... Okay. So plus two. So wait. So six points of damage from the bleed. No, sorry. Four points of damage from the bleed. Uh, and then you make a recovery check to see if it goes away. So I take the four points. The four points of damage automatically happens. You bleed out. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then you, you can click check. that recovery check DC button. Five's not enough. So the bleed is still happening. Uh, click the recovery check again, because you also have the fire persistent damage for one. Success. Right. The fire, the persistent fire damage goes away, but the persistent bleed damage stays on. You still take the one fire damage. All right. A lot of persistent effects at the end of your turn. Everyone's looking low and and hurt and the place on fire but all three actions that brings us to Hal. i'll move towards shoma 
Does he do we get an attack of opportunity? It does not. Okay. And then I would like to make a snagging strike against Shoma. Still standing in the fire, right? Right now, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, when you say still standing in the fire, you mean I can get on the dais and not be in the fire? Yeah, if, if anyone's standing up on the dais, the liquid doesn't go up high enough, so he's, like, not in the effects of it. Yeah, there you go. So if, by standing there, you're, you're okay. Yep, that's a hit. Snagging strike for 19. 19 points of damage, and he's flat-footed. And I'd like to take a map attack non-lethal. All right, non-lethal just takes a minus two circumstance penalty in addition to the map. Unless you're cool like Saruk. That is a 24. That's pretty nice. That's almost a crit. Okay. 13. Uh, he takes the full damage and you like, bam, you knock him out non-lethally and he like drops his eyes roll back in his head and he falls unconscious kind of into your snagging strikes. You're kind of, his whole weight just falls into you. He's unconscious. Okay. <clears throat> That's my turn. What do I got to roll here? So there is, we'll do the end turn real quick. Uh, first, we're going to do the, the bleed damage is four. So you're taking four damage from the bleed and you can make a recovery check for that bleed. DC 15 to go away. 16. Perfect. The bleed, the bleed goes away. Thank God. Uh, go ahead and make another recovery check for the fire. Is that persistent one? Is that what it is? Yes. So it's going to be one damage and another, uh, just a DC 15 to get it up. D20. Just roll a D20, yeah. Okay. So that one does not go off and you take the one damage from the fire. You're still burning a little bit. Mm, can I uh, use a hero point on that? Yeah, absolutely. For when you just absolutely have to not be on fire anymore right now. Hero points. Right. Damn it. <sighs> it was on 17 and then it lagged. Yeah. That is my turn. All right. This clockwork gets to go next. It's not the smartest of creatures. It's it's kind of a mindless thing. And as like all targets like move away... It kind of like scans through the flames and Anita is standing right there. So it does what it does best. It attacks Anita, but there's it like it looks down for a second like it wants to do the saw blade and it can't. So it's like, uh, uh, uh. but what it does is it instead it uses one of its arms and it just like kind of lashes out and it uses its big sort of heavy arm to sort of try to do like a heavy bludgeoning attack on you, Anita. So targeting, that's a 26 almost a crit that's going to be 11 points of damage we're okay then at with the weight the weight of it sort of like pins you down and it grabs you and you are grabbed in place burning in this fire now with it amazing and then with its last action it uses this uh constrictability it has and so it like literally like it like almost has like these metal plates that kind of come out and like bolt it to the floor and try to crush you. Can Anita please make a fortitude save? A good one. Please. Let's go. <gasps> Mary Chrysler. I didn't say it. 16. <laughs> 16 is going to be a fail. Do we have any hero points in chat? I, I don't. I, I, hero I, points I on? use my. <laughs> RPG gives Anita a hero point. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, here we go again. Mary Chrysler. 
We don't ever ask for shit, Chrysler. Chrysler, you nerd! <laughs> I mean, you almost critically failed, so let's be glad that it wasn't a critical fail. However, That's true. You, you do take 10 I'm more down. points of bludgeoning damage. Oh my God. You go yeah, down, down, you go to dying one. Mm -hmm. You're unconscious in the fire. And, and you're currently grabbed by this machine. Amazing. Um... All right. At the end of its turn, it takes the it takes the fire damage just from standing in the uh, standing in the fire. So that's going to be yep D eight fire damage. No save. It takes seven points of fire damage. Then it has to make a DC fifteen flat check for the one persistent damage it has. It succeeds, but it still takes the one damage. But it's no longer technically on fire. Ruffy. Right. Ruffy's going to run over. Shoot this thing where it thinks its face is. Huh? Alright, you damn robot. Put her down! <laughs> this would be a good time for a Ruffy natural 20 special. Ooh. That's a 20. I'll it's take still it. a hit. It's 12 Solid damage. damage. And it, it is now flat-footed against my next melee strike. Ooh, so the, the thing blasts it. It takes, you know, eight points of damage after the hardness, but the, the shot sort of, like, knocks it off-balanced, uh, opening it up for a strike. It is a giant metal thing, but it is flat-footed against your strike. You remember where Urshnap taught you? 19. Perfect. 19's a hit. Ah, only two damage. Two damage, however, is resistant four, so it takes... Like, you just hit it, and you just... Like, your knuckles thud right against the side without doing anything. Does it really heal for two damage? <laughs> Good shot, Ruffy. <laughs> uh, no, no, it does not. Uh, that's the end of my turn, though, so I'm assuming I'm taking damage. <laughs> That'd be sad. Oh, because I, I applied the damage and hit minus four, so it actually went to plus two. <laughs> that's funny. It didn't just reduce it. Okay, awesome. So at the end of your turn, Ruffy, well, that was all three actions, right? Mm-hmm. All right, you're standing in the fire, so you take uh, 1d8 fire damage. All right. Five points of fire damage to Ruffy, and you're already on fire with the persistent fire, so let's uh, roll uh, one, like, just roll a d20. You're taking one damage automatically and rolling a d20 to see if it goes away. 15 plus... Still burning. Still burning. Alright. Alright. Shoma is unconscious and stabilized. The room is, is burning quite a bit. You know, in here, the, the, the oxygen is getting a little thinner. Saruk. Oh, good. Okay, so... Son of a bitch, my Giselle is in the fire. I hate that. Oh. I hate that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I also don't really have a weapon in this moment, so get Shoma. I've got Anita, and I'm gonna 5, 10, 15, 20, two actions to stride to Anita and then interact to scoop her out of the fire. And then that will return. Yep, you scoop up Anita and you've got... So she grabbed right now? Mm -hmm. She is oh, currently... Check it. She uh, is. You can try to, like, you know wrestle her free with your interact action or your, you know, escape I'm, action. 
had it in my head that thing died. I was wishfully thinking. Okay, uh, pretend I didn't say that. I'm not going in the fire. Rather, I... Is there a fair presumption that Shoma's construct is close enough to Shoma for the purposes of devise a strat? Uh... Sure. Nice. You are a kind and merciful god. You guys are burning to death in the middle of this temple. I feel bad. (laughs) I I, I use hero points against you. Alright. An 18. Uh, I think what I'm going to do is Surg is going to use one action to interact to draw a moderate bottled lightning. I would like to target... I forget how to ping in Foundry. Yeah, I did it. There it is. Uh, that's where there. Okay. So catch the robot in the splash. All right. Make an attack roll. We're just looking for anything that's not a critical failure. That would be the only th- way that. I guess technically. Yeah. Let, let's make the attack roll. All right. We already know. You already drew, you already did the. the I was targeting. Uh, I'm targeting. Well, yeah. Either way is fine. Got it. Okay. Uh, it hits there. No problem. It does uh, splash damage, uh, so you can roll the damage. It, the, the immediate damage doesn't hit anyone, but the splash damage will. Woo! So... So it's two electricity splash damage. This thing has weakness four to electricity, so it takes six points of damage from that. Nice. That was one. It starts shock. gets shocked a little bit. Um, That's my only one more button. time. One more time. Do you have a bottle biting on you? And if so, can I interact to draw it off your person? You should have two, right? I gave you I have two. One. I think I gave one back to you because it put me to encumbered. Oh yeah. I'm gonna take that <laughs> back from you if that is okay. <laughs> you can reach out to Hal and interact to get it off his. Like he's got it worn where he can reach it, so you can reach it off him too. So then throws the thing. There's an explosion. Throws the second thing. Same square. Well, so it was. It's an interact to draw the bottle lightning, and, and attack was a separate role, and then interacting was a third action. So you didn't really have yeah. a fourth one to attack. I don't think. I cast haste on myself. That's my turn. I'm gonna not be on fire anymore. I'm still on uh, fire. Still Got taking you. one point of fire damage. Yeah, still burning a little bit. Technically, Anita is moving in initiative because uh, the clockwork downed her. So, so Hal gets to go first. I think Hal is going to... Can Hal sh- drop his backpack for free? Is that what uh, dropping... It's still an do? action to interact with the backpack. That's what Anita did. She it just interacted with her repair kit from the backpack. But it would be presumably in front of Saruga, not in the fire where I would have to right. run because if I pick up this guy, I'm uh, gonna be okay. I'm gonna drop it. Uh, use the action to drop it because it has all that those damn alchemical tools in it. Um, and then I'm gonna stride with. Uh, <laughs> you got the whole lab in your backpack. I forgot about that. <laughs> I'm gonna stride out with Shoma. Okay, so right now your yeah your your bulk is you mean your carried bulk is not too much because you just yeah because you dropped the backpack off right. So carrying Shoma, Shoma is not too heavy and his, his inventory is mostly just all like sort of light bulk. He doesn't really have anything too, too bulky on him. So with your carrying capacity, as long as you free both your hands, you can scoop up Shoma and, and move with him without being encumbered because you have enough space on your sheet and you're strong enough. Okay, I will do that. Just through the flames, out the door, backpack left behind. Shoma comes with you. Oh, I forgot Wyvern's just 
Oh yeah, you, so you get pretty far out. Shoma, I forgot you left Wyber just standing in the hallway, just like idling. Because it was so expensive just to disable this bitch. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, you you're able to clear uh, to clear Shoma from the flames. Do I take uh, persistent? Do I make a flat check? I was only going to make you do it if you do it at the end of your turn. You're still burning, I think, from before. So you, you still take the one fire damage and we can make that persistent check, yeah. But you take no more damage from the fire. Alright, persistent d20. Roll. Damn you. Alright, still burning. Minus one. Enter. Alright, Anita. You don't have any actions to do. At the end That's of your roll. at the end of your turn, you take uh-huh. one f- burning damage and okay. go to dying two. Mm-hmm. You take the in contact with the ground damage and go to dying three. Okay. Does that mean dying three is it? Four. Fucking dying maybe. four. That's right. That's right. But now you get to make that death saving throw. The DC for this is. <laughs> 10 plus you're dying, which is 3, so the DC, you're basically making, it's a it's a 13 or higher, or Anita will be dead, dead. And not forgotten. Okay. Chat, if if you have a hero point, this is the time to bring it up. Oh, look at that. That's a 4. That's a that 4. Means that, is, that is the end of Anita, unless one of our viewers, someone is kind enough out there to give Anita a hero point. Like how an RPG just did. I wonder who that guy is. Or is that an old? That one? was that was an older one, I think. Oh, shit, I got fuck. I didn't because I thought you did. Ah, okay, good. All right, we got a chat. BDG streams is giving Saruk a hero point. All right, <laughs> ready to give it to yourself. <laughs> it's fine. I get the gist. Anita, you're you're being given a second chance. Okay, here's my question. If I roll this, so. I'm thinking if I should just use the hero point to stabilize. The thing is, if I get, if I stabilize, I'll be wounded too, but, and then I'll bleed again, but I'll have yes. three, right? Dying yes, three. You, you would, that, that I is, still, I'll that still is have a better use of hero point for yeah, sure. Okay. I'll, I'll use my hero point to stabilize. All right. You stabilize, you go back, you go up to uh wounded two, two. Yeah. At the end of your turn. Yeah. So I still have two chances. Technically <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. All right. Well, Anita, up next is the robot that yep. is holding you down. He can't do the buzzsaw blade. So his first action is going to be to. It uses the nail gun and it like points it down at you, like puts it right <laughs> next to your like kind of unconscious body and pulls the trigger. Okay. So I mean, range... I have to be slamming on it with my fist and shooting it in the face. So. <laughs> And I need to just limp there. It's mindless. It doesn't actually follow tactics like that. I will say one nail gun strike at Anita. That's a critical hit. I think that. Oh boy, I am. That will out. out Anita completely. The nail goes right through Anita's head oh. when she falls back, and then. It's back hind leg facing towards Refi shoots out and it does a second strike against Refi. Uh, 22 will hit. That's a hit. 
punches you back for 11 points of damage. And with his last action, grabs you. Yes, absolutely. There is a G Axiom is asking, can you give the GM a hero point? You can. It is in there, but that's, that's sad fine. because poor Anita right now needs the help, yeah, I guess. As as your first time chatting, that's gonna be the all right then. Fair enough. <laughs> I remember um, this on Tuesday. Refi, the, the creature sh sh hits out with you, slams into you, pins you down, and the sort of bolts lock in and are holding you there as well now. Um at the end of at the end of its turn, it burns. So that's going to be five points of damage to it. And I guess that's it. That's its whole turn. Ruffy. You just hear Ruffy just scream. Just guttural. Just pure feral scream. And I'm going to draw a bottle of lightning and just smash it against this thing. Make that attack roll. That's a 26. Yeah, absolutely a hit. Uh, so it takes 13 and it's reek 4, so it actually takes 17 plus the splash. It's like 19 points of damage. Uh, immediately, just like slamming in, the blast ricochets back towards you, dealing two more points of splash damage to Ruffy. Splashes out, technically does two points of damage to Anita, who's already gone. It like it like electrocutes, and then you watch as it just sort of like vroom, it like kind of collapses the sort of like hold it had on you and Anita both like kind of give as it dies and collapses in upon itself and falls down motionless in the pile of flame. Or two actions so far. You're still burning, Ruffy. You're dead, Nina. Oh man. Last words. <laughs> Get the fuck out. <laughs> Wow, if the intro didn't fucking foreshadow this. Ah, uh, fuck. That's true. Can I ask to make a will save? You can absolutely make a self-imposed will save. Oh. Alright. 23. That's pretty good. Take a hero point for the self-imposed will save. He hears Anita's voice in his head badgering him that he always takes too much risk. He's always putting himself in situations that he's going to get hurt and he needs to take care of himself. And he looks for a moment and he thinks about just taking his gun and unloading into this machine. Fire be damned. But he still hears Annie's voice and he knows she's not okay. <sighs> And for my third action, I'll stride out of the room towards Wybert okay. and just and just yep. collapse right in front of Wybert. And I think sort of with all the imminent danger sort of done, uh, Saruk, on your next turn, you could just like sprint right out of the room without too much issue, right? Or are you going after Anita? I... Narratively, we're, we're in a narrative moment. We're not in combat. So you say everyone looks towards the flames. 
what does it look like when Subert comes bursting out? You have whatever you want to happen happens with Anita, without Anita. She comes back to life and we're all good. And we all get <laughs> From where I'm standing, is it like beyond a shadow of a doubt she's gone? Uh, you look over and she's lifeless. The flames are like burning her. It's looking. It's looking unlikely that anything would happen. Yeah. Berserk is going to just go following Rafi, go sprinting out the room, take a knee, put his arm around him, and just, like, quietly hold his friend. We're going back in. I know. We're not leaving her there. We're not. In the aftermath, Rafi and Saruk are able... I mean, you guys are basically ready to charge back in. You're not leaving any of there. The flames themselves burn out on their own. A short-lived explosion and fire have consumed all the oxygen in the room, making it thin and hard to breathe. But there, lying in the corner, burnt, hurt, dead. Anita, Kieran, Ulysses, Mendoza, consumed by the flame, a charred shell of her former self. How do you guys handle this? Refi's on the ground in front of Wybert, collapsed on his knees, holding the healing potion that he was going to get ready to give to Anita as he was heading over there and attacking the robot. And as hurt as he is, he just smashes it in his hand. Takes off his coat. And goes back in the room. Wraps Annie up in it. And picks her up. Probably a little shakily. But he won't take, he won't take any help from anyone. And without saying a word to anyone. He just starts walking out. So as you make your way back through. This alchemist secret lair. There's a somber silence in the air. Yeah, so before we leave, I I want to... Revy runs out. I go back in. There's a quick scan of the room for anything else, anything that might be useful, anything pursuant to why we're here in the first place. Your Giselle and Hal's backpack are both still here. You can retrieve without too much issue. Yeah, grab both of them for um, sure. Yeah, good question um most of this room has been consumed by the flame the desk his life's work his notes anything that might have been here is is nothing but a pile char mountain at this point the only thing that really there's still a few tanks of the lyserium one tank in particular that did not shatter that still kind of glows in the corner but everything else has been consumed entirely the only thing that stands still watching over the room silent is this hooded figure this giant oversized statue on the dais on the far end of the room i think saruk is unsure if anyone is waiting probably takes a couple minutes eventually so here's a question where is slash what is Wybert doing right now? Wybert, as as Ruffy kind of came out carrying Anita's body, and Wybert saw 
almost like reached out and sneakily for the body. And as Refi just kind of pushed past Wybert, Wybert is like loudly gears grinding, just following, following Anita's body. Been programmed to follow wherever she goes. Since Nurgis is going to take a knee, spend a lot of time in quiet prayer and contemplation, and then eventually make his way out. I think you do feel like a sort of warm presence, like almost like an arm on your shoulder. And there is that uh, Kazatul, the spirit uh, in your armor. Oh, God, I'm blanking on the name of it. I don't think the name was Kazatul. Kazutal, you've you've said the, the deity backwards for a while. Uh, I think feeling that Kigak, thank you, and thank you, Nina. Kigak is the spirit specifically. It was Kijak. Kijak, and the spirit is there with you. The spirit has actually manifested in the room with you, just kind of giving you that like cat sort of nuzzle on your arm. What did I do wrong? Nothing is wrong. She made her choice. She died saving you. That's it. All right. And then just staring back at you blankly, just blinking. Ups and quietly walks out. Yep. And you catch up with, you know, Ruffy sort of struggling to carry Anita weighed down with everything you're carrying and trying to carry Anita through the, the, the thing. By the time you like kick open that front door, the rush of Alkenstar Falls crashing loudly, making it hard to hear the wet mist covering everything from outside, looking back in at the temple. The secret lab, everything appears normal out here. There's no sign of anything going on from the outside. God damn it. Uh, when we get back, and I think Saruk is going to go to the barrel and bullet, I think... First things first, Saruk is going to go talk to... Now it is my turn to forget NPC names. Dr. Dad, friend. I hate my brain. Kojak. Yes, there it is. Oh, uh, yeah. Refi's going right up to the room if Saruk wants to go. Yeah. As well. If indeed I can catch up with everyone in time, then. We'll oh, go. yeah. No problem. Like, you know, they're trying to, to carry an unconscious Shoma and a dead Anita through like i mean it's it's yeah and i'm i'm hurt i'm encumbered i'm like stumbling but i won't i won't like i'm slow going and everyone that even tries to help you is just like pushed aside and you determined to do it yourself i just give him one look yeah it does take a while and like the sort of um la- that last sort of stretch is like past sunset the rain has like kind of come in that sort of like thick acrid smoggy smoke washing down coming on you guys as you step towards the barrel and bullet saloon eerily quiet save for wybert's loud mechanical gears i was gonna walk in after reficule and sarup goes up and he's gonna see if phoebe's around or the cook's around and carry shoma so how as you go for that door to like open in right um, and, and it kind of that, that eerie silence sort of catches you by surprise. The silence is sort of broken by the loud ringing of gunshots from within the barrel and bullet saloon. All goes in anyways. 
All right. You fling that door open, you know, like adrenaline pumping. You bust into the door. You bust in that door. The tavern is dark. Not a single light. Like the whole thing is usually lit very well. It's completely dark. There's a single bright light in the back of the bar shining across this room at a makeshift stage where an orcish man in a sheriff's costume is clutching a bleeding wound on his chest. As you kind of come in, there's like a chorus of echoing towards you from the darkness as the whole audience watching the play is shushing you, interrupting. And the orc sort of stumbles forward and drops to his knees. They're in the middle of the finale of Hearts at High Noon. I was going to continue walking, not give a damn about what the hell they're playing on about, playing adventure and sheriff and outlaw. He's going to move back into, he's going to take Shoma into their private room and tie him up. And he will leave a note for whoever's going to come back down there and, uh, for sure. Phoebe Dunsmith. Anita didn't make it. And we need you to do whatever it is you do. Duchess, people you know, put us into contact. Somebody can help us. And Hal's going to sign his real name. Fold it up and set it down. And then he's going to walk back up to his room. And... Let uh, Saruk know that Shoma's tied up in the meeting room. And then he's going to go back to his. Well, he's going to let him know he's tied up. I'll be back in a little while. And he's going to go to his room and pick up Sill. And they're going to go out of the barrel and bullet saloon and head off into the darkness, heading towards the mana wastes. Be careful. As Hal is writing this note and doing that, Ruffy and Saruk are busy bringing the rest of the sort of, like, you know, Anita's body and, you know, just caught completely flabbergasted and off guard that these people would be just doing such a normal thing, like enjoying a play on such a important, serious night like tonight. You can hear Phoebe gets up on stage at the end of the show and she says, The sun sets on another story here in Alkenstar. For such a lawless place, many a life seemed to be cut short in the name of upholding that law. We hope you've enjoyed our little tale about love, betrayal, and honor. And go forever on remembering the tale of the molten cowboy. We hope you've enjoyed this conclusion of Hearts at High Noon. The lights come up, the bar rings out in applause, Phoebe's taking center stage with the cast, giving their bows, metal flowers thrown on stage. Phoebe's so engrossed in this moment. This is her everything, her pinnacle, her focus, her love that she doesn't even notice you guys come in. She doesn't notice Anita dead. She doesn't notice anything. I think that's really fucking good that the lights are down when we come in with a bunch of bodies. As the night sort of winds on, I mean, you guys tell me, right? And Phoebe's doing her thing. You guys are burned, clothing charred, super wounded. Do you go out of your way to get Phoebe's attention now? No. Or what do you guys Hal's done his thing. No, He's we're, tried up Shoma. Yeah, like we He's said, gone. we're going to go talk to... We're to going to Kojak. Kojak. So we walk straight through. Yeah, we don't... I don't. Refi doesn't give a damn about anything or anyone else. Doesn't pay attention. 
Even if anyone does notice, even if Urshap might notice him and say it, he doesn't even look at him. With whatever energy he has left, is going to go straight up and uh, wait for Saruk to open the door because he can't open the door with his hands. Saruk knocks. Oh, one minute. I'm just in bed. Oh. Kind of like you hear like the heavy footsteps kind of coming towards the door. The door opens. This older orcish gentleman wearing pinstripe pajamas with a nice big hat with a little floppy fuzzy ball on the end, rubbing sleep out of his eyes. What time is it? It's late. We need to talk. Can we come in? Yes. Is Annie with you? And he like opens the door and steps back. Kojak. And Rafi just collapses again onto his knees, holding Annie and can't say anything else. You kind of collapse down and the jacket sort of falls off a little bit. You just see like the burnt arm of Anita tattoos visible beneath the char flop out. Kojak looks. His eyes go wide. Immediately begins sobbing, drops to his knees, yanks the the coat off of Anita. Sir's got to close the door. Uh, fair enough. Uh, you can see the giant gaping wound from the buzzsaw across her chest. Very, very little recognizable beneath the massive burns that she's suffered. Annie! Annie's! You're going to be okay! And he, like, grabs her and, like, tries, like, basically pulls her close to him. Tears welling up in his eyes. He just looks right up at you, Ruffy. What have you done to my girl? My baby! He tried to help her. I'm sorry. I know it's... I know. Not enough. Not enough. Oh, maybe there's... There's, there, there's gotta be a chance. He's like wiping tears from his eyes. He immediately stands up. He goes to his doctor's bag and he starts trying to do anything he can to throw together anything, just going through ingredients, tossing them over his shoulder. The, the silence hangs there. I'm sorry, Kojak. Sirk is just quiet. Probably starts crying at this point. Comes He comes back with some haphazard thrown together remedy that he hopes will work. He's he's basically trying to like open her mouth and, and pull it back. You can see her teeth have sort of popped a little bit. Some of them have fallen out as he's pouring, tries to pour my hand on his chest. She's gone. Kojak. She's gone. Cries. No words. Just a deep. (laughs) Hard to catch his breath. Sobs. trying to come up with some solution, trying to do what he does best and solve the medical emergency in front of him. To no success. We should leave him to it. Let the man mourn. And you see Refi's face harden and his eyes narrow. And then soften a bit for a moment. We'll be back. Kojak, be back. And he gets up off his knees and face hard once again. 
eyes narrowed, just that red eye gleaming barely. Grabs a bit of uh I imagine Kojak has like smelling salts or something. Oh yeah, he's got a big bag of tricks. Grabs a bottle. Checks his gun. Zerk's gonna put a hand on the bottle. I see where this is going. It's not gonna bring her back. It won't make you feel better. I'm not going to let you. I'm not gonna kill him. I'm not. Then squeezes the bottle. We went there for information, right? Let someone other than us get it. We did what we're supposed to. If Anita was alive right now, do you think she would want you to do what someone told you to do once to someone who cannot defend themselves to achieve? Just don't. It would. If she were alive. But she's not. Then I will take her place. You are a better man than this. Am I? Yes. You are for sure. I guess that'll have to be enough for now. Let's go get a drink. Come on. Trusting you on this, Saruk. Good. But if it comes out that this wasn't worth it, if this was all for naught, then I will burn it all down. And there's not anyone in here or in hell that'll be able to stop me. You realize how subjective that is, right? Never mind, I... I'm not going to debate you right now. Neither of us are in the right headspace for it. I think we take solace from the fact that Shoma can no longer provide what infinite, infinite green fire to people who would do what they did. It was worth at least something. I'm sure that the web gets more complex, and if I know Alkansar half as well as anyone who's from here does, I'm sure it goes deeper. But we did something net good today, even if it costs too much. Try to hold on to that. That's honestly, it's what I'm going to hold on to. You hold on to it for the both of us, then. Sure. For now, I'll hold on to this anger. And I'll follow behind, follow behind him. We immediately recuse ourselves to the kitchen to drink our feelings while the play is happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the time you descend down the stairs, you know, the play is kind of over. You catch the tail end. The whole bar is just super lighthearted. Phoebe's actually given like drink, a round of drinks on the house to everyone. It's this really 
intense, happy moment that is completely, you know, juxtaposed, juxtaposed against how you guys are feeling right now. Hal, you slipped away into the night. Was that a scene you wanted to follow and play out? Or is that just Hal doing Hal things? So, as we look back and, and Hal's writing the letter, um, he signs it and it's Mukatis Dib is the name. And as he takes his dog and slips into the night, much like he did, you know, the first night that they met, he's just going to go out and do what makes him comfortable. And that is forage for survival in the pitch black of the night. You probably see again, the the dark tail of sill around the corner and a white tail the same color as Al's white hair follow shortly after as it rounds the corner and they dip between a crack in the wall and head out into the desert. Into the mana waste themselves. Al processing the way Hal knows best. And so back, you know, at the bar, you guys have your drinks, you have your still fairly fresh bread not quite stale yet um it, it's getting there is your guys's choice to let phoebe sort of handle the questioning you guys are not going in there or what i know there's a debate yeah i think maybe the better question uh because no one told phoebe i don't know if she comes to us first or Right, so we can play that out if you want. Yeah, so so in, in her happiness and all of this, she swings by, she sees you guys, she's got she's got her drink, she offers you guys one each. <sighs> well, great night tonight, isn't it? You guys look like you've been through some stuff. Where's uh The job cost Nina her life. Who's Nina? Oh god damn it. <laughs> <laughs> They're too similar. The, the job cost Adita her life. Oh. She, like, you see, like, she gets, like, a serious kind of look on her face. And, like, for the first time, you've, like, taken her out of her happy place. She sighs and looks down. Picks up the shot glass and just downs a shot for Annie. So... Did you find out? Shoma's upstairs. You go figure it out. Do what you need to do. Are we done? Let me figure out. I mean, you were, uh, I hired you to bring me information, not person who's Shoma. Back towards that meeting room where he's all like tied up. He's, he's currently like conscious now and like struggling against his like roast but he's been tied up pretty well and so phoebe like kind of looks in kind of furs her brow a little bit looks at you huh leave this to me and let me do what i do best and she goes ahead and goes into the room and closes the door behind her sure and um, Rafi didn't follow i'm gonna try to find where Rafi is he didn't. He didn't trust himself. 
to go in there and uh, not leave. So he's still sitting at the bar, staring at the shot, looking at it for a while. He never drinks at this time, ever. And he looks at it for a moment. And he thinks that of Phoebe saying for Annie. For Anita. And he downs the shot. For Anita. What do you need to do to feel better right now, partner? That doesn't involve hurting Shoma. Or anyone else. Well, I was going to see if... uh Urshap's available for a bit of training. If I can't hurt someone else, might as well hurt me. Would you settle for an out-of-shape, half-burned orc with a desk job who's very far out of his depth? I think that'll do. Yeah, right. And we go, I, I presume, like, out back. There's, like, an out back area. There's, like, a shooting range and, like, where the stables and stuff are. There's plenty of outdoor space that's pretty quiet and, and especially at night, kind of, like, desolate. So you guys can kind of go out there and do your thing. And I think, you know, you guys probably go at it for some time, working out all that anger. This is a weird question. Do you feel like maybe somewhere in the bullet and barrel there are... <laughs> I love TTRPGs. Something that might be able to go over Saruk's tusks such that when you are sparring with someone, you don't exact accidentally pierce something and cause I mean, grievous harm. Bread. Corks. Wine corks. On your way to the outside, right? You go out of the barrel and bullet out toward the sort of outdoor courtyard. Right across is the sort of um, workshop, right? And inside there, you hear the grinding of of work being done as Gattleby and Gattleby's like hard at work. He's not stopping his his kind of plans. And as you look, your eyes kind of trail at the open workshop. There's all kinds of knickknacks and alchemical things and and uh, flasks with like corks in it, so you can easily just like pop some corks out of the things and just stick them on the end of your test if you'd like. High fashion. Gattleby doesn't even like look up at you guys as he continues working. Um, and you're able to easily burn off some of that rage and energy for some time. Is there a specific moment you guys wanted to do there? Or should I just fast forward to Phoebe coming out? Oh no, we're just beating the shit out of each other. And uh, Re- uh, Refi's Refi does tell Saruk in the beginning, don't hold back. Never. Why would I? Refi wants to get the shit beaten out. (laughs) We roll for (laughs) initiative. So each one of you, let's just say this, make an unarmed attack roll, each of you, and we'll just see how the fight goes. If one person massively outrolls the other, well, then they do much better. And if the guys roll about the same, then it's pretty close fight. All right, Ruffy, time for that three natural 20s that are real special that you do. <laughs> 10 on the dice, 19 total. Ruffy told Saruk not to hold back. But he actually purposely is holding back a bit. Nice. Roll with disadvantage. Roll with misfortune, sorry. I don't get Watsi's lawyers up in here. <laughs> uh, how do I do that? Because 
Uh, when you roll, it should just give you the choice to keep lower. I'll keep lower. There we go. Well, there's one of the natural 20s. That was a natural 20. But with the lower, with the holding back, it sta- you know, it stays somewhat level. Like, Saruk does get the better of you in the upper hand, but it's not like a complete, like... Like, I see some openings. And, like, instinctively, I'm about to take it. But then I just go to where his guard is instead and leave an opening for myself. I'm just gonna really quickly. Wouldn't you know it? Refi is currently under investigation by me. <laughs> Using that that uh, brains of yours in the fight. Yep. So I don't um, know. What's your bluff DC? Or your deception DC? Excuse me. Uh, my deception DC. That is a seventeen. Nice. So. It doesn't look like Saruk notices. It is very, like, it's obvious. These motions are not unfamiliar, but there's a lot of, like, work back in into it and, like, up close and actually fighting, despite the fact that Saruk is seven foot tall and a lot of muscle. He is objectively a little out of shape. I am... (laughs) Yeah, maybe I'm stronger than I thought. Fair enough. You feel better, partner? Not in the slightest, but uh, it'll get me through. Yeah, right. Phoebe's standing there smoking a cigarette, watching you guys go at it. And you, as, as you guys kind of are out of breath, look up, you realize she's been standing there watching you for a minute or two. Kind of takes one last puff and drops the cigarette on the floor and kind of puts it out. That one's got quite the tail. Greed. Feelings of inadequacy. That's all it was. Nothing more. It's almost like the path to things like that usually start with things like what you just said. But that's not the worst of it. Of course it's not. He says none of this mattered anymore anyways. Because according to him, word on the street is somebody's already cracked the formula. Somebody's else has reverse engineered Pyronite. Cat's out of the bag now. I take it that means we are not done. Well, can offer you a little solace. Wherever this person is, if they even exist, and if Shoma's not full of it, you know who we'll find there, right? Whose fingerprints are all over this. I know. I know. Offer a little bit of solace little bit of solace. You know what? Phoebe, you can take that little bit of solace and shove it up your ass. Right? I don't give a damn about the Pyronite. I don't give a damn about Alkenstar or your little duchess. Let it all fucking burn. Right? We went into that place for you. For this city. To get information. And now you're saying it's all for naught. So fuck you. And fuck this city. Right? 
the only thing that matters right now is Anita. So you're going to go back to the Duchess. You're going to tell her what happened. You're going to do whatever you have to fucking do to, to let her know that she's going to help us or the city will burn. And we won't do a damn thing to stop it. Is that a threat, Rafikul? You bet your ass it is. I believe the term is it is a promise. We have done a lot for you. On the premise of something dangled in front of us. Like a carrot and we are a mule. Give us one. One real one. Go and speak to the powers that be. She stops, gets another cigarette out, lights it. I like your spirit. I don't think we need to go to anyone. I've got this. This ace in the hole I've been saving. Takes a, a smoke long drag. Big cloud of smoke comes out as she thinks. This is it, right? One last mission and we're supposed to be out. Guess it's time to cash in all my chips. I got this. This person that owes me favor. Of the. Divine variety. Was hoping to use it for myself, but maybe, maybe there's a shot. How generous! You cash in those chips. Anita already did. And then we go after Mugland. Is that a fair trade? That's, I consider, a fair trade. I believe that is what they call an eye for an eye. All right. That's twice today you've said that before me. <laughs> <laughs> she nods. Sort of gives you basically the name of a clergyman that's in Skyside. It is a member. It's a fairly high ranking member from the Temple of Brig. And I do have to look up the name. I don't remember the name off the top of my head, but it is somebody that is. It's like basically the Grand Master Cog, which is the highest rank in the temple. And they basically oversee the entirety of that church's services here in Alkenstar. And she just kind of casually hands you a note sealed, stamped with a, her sort of wax seal. And tells you, take this, hand it over, he'll do what you say. Very well. Are we going now, Ruffy? Are they open? I would wait till morning if... I, I, 
I understand it's a tense situation and emotions run high, but you look like you could use a rest. Then please excuse me as my friend and I process our feelings. I think you have waves generally towards the direction of a bar that she runs. You see how let him know where we're going in the morning. So is there anything else that you guys need to do tonight or is this scene to sort of fade from night to day the next morning? I think think the only thing that really happens is everyone notices a small letter C form over Refi and Saruk's head collectively indicating they might fight a little bit better together if anyone gets the Fire Emblem reference, but you know, there's not. (laughs) I don't think Refi sleeps though. Like Saruk will because he there is enough logic brain that kicks on even in really, really bad moments that's like I objectively must do this or it gets worse. So it's probably not easy, but at some point Saruk will wind down. The Refi wants it to get worse for him. So So how out in the manaways at night under the nearly full moon? Uh, away from the smog of the city where you can actually see some of the stars and some of the crazy light storms blowing in the sky above you. How long do you stay out here? I think Hal continues to train with Sil and he taps into the darkness that, that hides in the different shadows of the underbrush and the moonlight and he skirts from bush to bush, cactus to cactus, and basically disappears into the night as him and Sil, one white furred wolf and one dark furred husky as they move from place to place. And he shows them how to evade notice in the darkness. And he thinks back to his homeland in, in the mountains to the west on another plane you know not so much different from this one but full of shadow and umber dragons and he taps into that nothingness that exists there and he'll look to the west or excuse me he'll look to the east and see the midnight blue of the sky start to change and turn to a royal blue and then he'll look down all right girl come on we need to go see what phoebe has see if uh Refugil's doing all right let's go and before sunrise he heads into the city and like one last thing like as you're kind of getting right ahead of the city the sky is like mostly clear the sun comes up almost out of nowhere there's like a flash in the sky above you and you just see like the swirling vortex of energy sort of appear and just create this multicolored rainbow cloud like right over your head not an uncommon sight here in the manaways the residual energy from the wars fought so many centuries ago still linger in this place still cause unpredictable magic effects and this cloud sort of forms above you bathing you both in shadow even at the morning sun and you are greeted with a rain from the heavens but not any such rain a rain a 
of desert lizards flopping out of the sky, landing in your hat, landing in the sand at your feet, scurrying to and fro. Last, You know, Sil, the last time I saw something like that was uh, when I ended up here uh, almost a year ago. So I was expecting to end up back where I was. But you know, this is a bounty I never, never expected, considering what went on last time. Sil, like, literally has a lizard in her mouth, like, tearing it back and forth, like, tossing it while you're talking to her. Let's uh, grab a few more and take off his hat and start piling some and putting it in his little pockets as they, as he changes from his beast kin wolf form back to his kaol humanoid form and heads back in through the same crevice in the wall that they used to exit the city back towards the bullet barrel. You find back there, you find Ruffy who's been up all night. Probably sipping on coffee. Are you drinking coffee? Nope, not anymore. Is it now daylight you're drinking? Probably would have been drinking all night, which is rare. Like I said, I've never never drinking that night before this, but uh, he would have kept going. And he just looks over towards you, sees it come in, light coming in. Well, find out anything. And I think in this moment, Saruk comes in carrying a bunch of muffins from that one place we went to that one time where Anita's love interest worked that I definitely remember the name of because they're made of carbs and I know my friend has been drinking all night. And we found out that we're heading to the Temple of Bri. We found out that we can cash in a favor. We hope... That that will be helpful to us in some way, because we also have found out that apparently it was for nothing. And the recipe for Pyronite has already gotten out. And I slide over Hal a shot as he as Zurich says that. Hal will reach into his pocket and pop off a little tail, drop it in the drink, kind of stir it up and take it real quick. Should really try this. It's uh, it's a little spicy and takes a minute to get used to, but you won't have to worry about paying for a meal for a long time. Here, let me show you. Raphael down it as soon as Hal hands it over to him. Yes, sir. It gets one heal too. Well, do we know where this brig is? I think there is the part of the ship where we store people who are prisoners. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, this might be a Tommy question. Is the pronunciation Brig or Bry? Yeah, it's, it's, it's totally Bry. It is Bry? Yeah, Bry. Like B-R, the I-G-H is pronounced Y. Bry. Perfect. The, the, here in Alcastar, they pronounce it Brig, okay? It's the Brig. They don't know ships here. So, yeah, Bry. Temple Lord. of Bry. So, if you guys would like, you can give me a sort of Alcastar lore, just if you know where the temple is, or you can just ask someone. It's up to you. So my sheep might say this is one higher than it actually is, but don't worry about it, it's fine. Oh, that turns out was definitely my lore today. Yep, no problem. 23. Perfect. Perfect doesn't know shit. (laughs) You've seen this temple. It's in Skyside, and it is basically right down the street from the uh, Blithier College. It's, It's in the same general area as in the Auburn District. And it was just, in fact, it was just around the corner from the, the same bakery that Maeve worked at in the same like neighborhood. 
Um, but you'd be able to pinpoint it. You'd be able to get right back there with that issue. He looks to Reficule and looks back to Saruk and says, it's by the college. Yeah, the building stands out. It is a pretty, like, it's a pretty distinguishable temple. And there's not a lot of temples here in Alcastar, but the Temple of Rai is one that you caught your eye. Probably were at least semi-impressed by the architecture. The clockwork, basically the outside was fashioned to look like a giant ticking clock that clacks all day and just keeps track very accurately of the time here in uh, in Alcastar. Well, come on, follow me. Let's get going. I don't want to drag this on anymore. Kojak too, as as you're uh, getting ready to like leave, Kojak kind of comes down and sees sees you, Refi. He's like, "Oh, Refi, good morning. Oh, coffee, please." And he's still sleeping. We know. Better sleep, Kojak. Uh, we're gonna run some errands. Hopefully, she'll be up by the time we get back. And with that, you're able to leave and head towards the temple if you'd like. I think at this point, too, Wybert has run out of his like wind up energy. So Wybert has like basically just like kind of completely like shut off. And he's just sitting there motionless in the room where Anita Does he is. sleep forever too, or- Steve? <laughs> he will sleep forever if he has not turned back on. Do you see the green light in his eye just goes very thin into like a little like bar and then blinks out potentially forever? Emotional damage. (laughs) And so, yeah, we're able to move Anita across Alkenstar. Still trying to keep a fairly low profile. You know, you don't want to be carrying a charred corpse through the middle of the street. But you guys are a smart lot. I'm sure you can find a way to move her in stealth fashion. We weaken weaken and burn it all the way there. Um, (laughs) Burning is a really bad pun considering her death. God damn it. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Uh, and- uh, gotta make light of the situation, guys. All right. Tell her coping. Coping mechanism. But uh, Refi pauses in front of, as we pass by the bakery and kind of feels himself unable to move past it for a moment. Is, uh, is Maeve anywhere in there? Was she there when I was there just a second ago? You take a peek in when you guys are like there. Uh, no sign of Maeve. She's not on shift this morning. There's a sort of cutaway here that you guys don't see, but the audience sees it. And it's like split screen with you guys looking for Maeve at the bakery. And Maeve has her bags like sort of packed. And she's like boarding a steamboat on the Australia River as she sets off on the new leg of her life her new job opportunity that she told Anita about, and she is on this gambling ship, uh, just chugging up the Australia River away from Alkenstar. And I think Refi would probably stand there long enough that Saruk or Hal would have to come and grab him. And Saruk will stop when you stop. He just stands there, lost in thought. Come on. Yeah, it's right around the corner. Yeah, this temple, the Temple of Bri. Right, there is this giant uh, clockwork uh, clock tower clicking, clacking. They're going about their daily services. 
very mechanical themed in nature. You know, you go in, you ask for the grand cog, pretty much like the kind of deal, like, do you have an appointment? And you just show the letter and there's kind of like a knowing eyebrow raise. Eventually you're kind of shuffled into a private room. The door locks and you are here with grand cog Athenth Lalinar. A woman who refers to herself as the High Clock Mother. So when we get where we're going, Sarug will produce the letter, pass it over. See, she takes the letter, still pretty quiet about the whole situation, breaks the seal, opens it, and as she reads the letter, you just see the sort of like flesh red cheeks. If you'd like, you can do like almost like a sense motive check if you guys would like to observe her reactions here. Is there... I think that might have been supposed to be in secret. Oopsie. I mean, I didn't say secret, but sense motive probably a secret. I'm not sure if sense motive is a secret check. 12 anyway. Probably is. Yep. Not for Refi. Refi's too tired, too drunk, too. Yeah. Right. Doesn't give a damn about this woman. Oh. So Hal is um, uh, Saruk doesn't get much off the read. It's 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 a very confused look. She's good at like shutting down her external emotions, but Hal, you pick up on a tinge of anger, the slightest twitch in the eye. You get the feeling this isn't so much a favor as blackmail. And as as she takes the letter, she immediately puts it into like the drawer, clicks that shut, locks it, stills herself, takes a deep breath. What may I do for you? Sarug produces the body wherever it is and sets it somewhere where it can fit comfortably and easily between me and she. Whatever you can. Whatever that letter arranged. She should not have died. Not be easy. Life has a way of slipping away. And she might not come back without these serious injuries. And she kind of looks down at how Anita's like supercharged, you know? But you've earned yourself an attempt at the very least. I am at your service. Thank you. Um, immediately, she sort of like takes you from the room. They have a sort of ritual chamber set up. It's a room and it's got a table and it's made entirely of quartz, like a very nicely carved quartz table. They take Anita's body and sort of lay it out in the middle of the courts. And then around the room, there's 12 clocks equidistant at each of the 12 ordinal directions around the room. And she takes a tiny diamond that she has and places each diamond one by one and like place it into the clock and sort of gives it a little twist. And it starts ticking in rhythm. And she goes around one by one, setting the diamond up at each clock. And each clock starts at its own sort of click-clack 
chaos. And over time, they all begin to sync up with one another. And the clicking and clacking becomes uniform and beautiful and harmonic. And she takes herself and she places her hands sort of under Anita's head. And she looks to you three and she says, this requires assistance from those who loved her most. It is up to you to convince her to come back. I will look to Saruk and Reficule and he'll step forward a little bit and lean across the table a little bit and say, uh, well, I'll provide whatever assistance I can and I will do my best and regardless of how you feel, you will do your best too. Yeah. Yeah, I will. Guys, lock with you, Reficule. What are we bloody waiting for? Let's bring her back. 